0: Today we're going to talk about a super, super controversial subject, and I don't feel qualified to speak on it. I'll let you know why in a couple of seconds. But today, we're in, well, first of all, we're in a series, and we're in a series on marriage, right? We're, talk, we're calling it Real Marriage, and um, I'm not inventing any of this series. It's all from a book by Mark Driscoll called by the same name. Real marriage. And you can get the book. I encourage you to get the book. Another great book that you can get on marriage is um, Tim Keller's book on marriage. Um, So uh, we're talking about it because we know that it's important. And that in our society, we don't have lessons. We don't have good models to see. So we're going back to the Bible and finding out what we can find out about marriage And so last week we talked about, if you remember, we talked about what the ideal, what the, what, not the ideal, I'm sorry. We talked about what marriage looks like and how God identifies with marriage because he has a bride too. And the bride is us us together. We're the bride of Christ. And so we talked last week about um, Hosea, remember? Hosea had a harlot for a wife, like genuinely a prostitute who desired to be from, away from Hosea, who told Hosea that he did not satisfy her and went to be with other men who gave her gifts and things like that. By the way, words no man ever wants to hear. And what we said was that we can, the way we can all identify is that in that story, there's one who plays God and then there's one who plays us. And while it's a true historical story, it also has significance for all of us. Anybody know, in the story of Hosea and Gomer, who is playing the role of God? Anybody know? Hosea. The one who's sacrificing, the one who buys his wife back after she uh, goes on the auction block because after all of her men used her up, they put her up for slavery. He's the one who takes on the social shame. He's the one who goes and purchases her life back. He's the one who loves her tenderly. He's the one. Now, that's the one who's playing God. Anybody can guess who we are in this story? (laughs) Yeah, we're the harlot. We're the one who runs from God and says, you don't satisfy me. Excuse me while I go to my other lovers and then find ourselves on the auction block. And maybe you found yourself on some auction block like a detox or a rehab or on skid row. I don't know. But God buys us back and then he brings us and he says, don't go away, don't go away because it's painful and terrible. Just come, stay next to me, stay with me, stay near me because I'm going to delight in you and you're going to delight in me. And, and we get this beautiful story of salvation. It's quite beautiful. That is the, I, that is the um, concept that we're working off of. The way God loves his church and the way the church ought to respond to her husband, God, is the way marriage is supposed to be. That's the picture of marriage. And so yesterday last, yesterday, last week, Gus did an amazing, amazing, didn't he do just a wonderful job? Wasn't that fabulous? Yeah, man, yeah, man, it's hard to preach. And he did a great job. Um, and uh, he talked about being friends with benefits, Right? real friends with benefits, where the marriage is a friendship and, and you pour out of that. I want more and more of that to be my story with my wife. I want to be her friend. I want her to be my friend. Today, we're talking about, again, a very controversial subject. We're talking about manhood. Now, if we talk about manhood, we're gonna, because we're talking about manhood, that means we're going to have to get into the roles of gender. And that's a very controversial subject today, isn't it? Because according to Twitter, there are now something like 75, more or less, 74 gender roles. Think about that. Now, so this can make many of us uncomfortable. reason is, it's because we grew up with a warped view of what gender is like. A warped view of what manhood is like. I'm I'm kind of i uh, I'm kind of a uh, a victim of this, because as I was growing up, I did not have I grew up in a Puerto Rican household in a Puerto Rican culture. I didn't even learn English until I went to school. I, I, learned, I, I Spanish is my first language, and that's all we spoke because you didn't need it in my neighborhood. It was just like you know the bodega you talk Spanish at home you talk Spanish fulano with your friends everybody cousins and all that other stuff it was all Spanish, and so. That was the culture that I grew up in. So my culture is not universal. And my culture has some real strengths. Real strengths. My father taught me some beautiful things about um, being a man. Um, and, but my culture gave me some hang-ups too. And difficulties. So I, I wasn't... So in, in my culture, if I could boil it down to two things, to, if I could boil it down to two things, uh, a man is... Good with his hands and a good lover. He's a fighter and a lover, right? He can defend himself well. So that's that's what masculinity is. He can defend himself well, and he's good with the ladies. And it's expected that he would have a. What do you call that? Like a furnished room. Remember, like 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 a harem, right? Yeah, like a, yeah. He would have like a furnished room, and you know, so he would have a wife, and then he would have women on the side and that's the way manhood was done it was just it was the air I breathed it was now here's the other thing that men were macho so they played things like what baseball boxing um, things like that we were like macho now I don't know if you've ever like thought about this about me but I might not be the most macho guy you've ever met in your life (laughs) now don't get me wrong growing up in that culture and taking enough beatings like I did I learned to throw a punch. So don't test my gangster. <laughs> but I am saying, but I am saying, what I am saying is that it was, a, it was, a, it was a, an environment that I didn't easily fit into. I didn't like sports. I wasn't into all this macho grunt, grunt stuff. And then on top of that, I got sexually abused. And that changed the way I viewed sexuality. So I thought I was gay all growing up. I mean I literally came out of the closet to my brother once and then quickly went back in. No kidding. It was a scary thing. I know we're laughing now, but like it was like scary. It was like life threatening. And some of y'all have been actually wrestling with that. And I want you to know I'm so happy that you're here. We can wrestle with that together. And and it's beautiful. So I didn't fit the gender norm and I was struggling with my sexuality and my identity and so I then swung over to the other side. Like right, I was like super feminine and then I had to be like super masculine which meant I took on all the worst attributes of my culture. I became physically abusive to my wife, verbally abusive to my wife, just like evil. And the question is why should you even listen to me? I mean, I'm the worst kind of man that you can know. And so with that tension, I've had to come into the gospel asking Jesus to reform, reprogram, retrain my thinking. And I've asked Jesus to change my heart, change my mind, change the way I respond. So With that brokenness, with that level of brokenness that I'm bringing to you is how we're going to come to the Bible. I don't come to you as a person who's like, you know, I got manhood figured out and I'm going to teach you guys what's manhood about. I'm just going to tell you as a fellow struggler, talking to other fellow strugglers about what a man is. Women, if you're here, this is a crazy, listen, if you're here and you you brought your husband or your boyfriend to um this uh, service, if you're here and you brought your boyfriend or husband to this service, you picked a fantastic service. Because we're going to talk about what it means to be a man, right? And if you're here and you're a woman, you can listen in. But let me just let you know, um, and don't, don't figure on uh, doing the laundry at Sunday, 10 a.m. next week. We're going to talk to the women, we're going to talk to the women, and that one I have nothing to repent about because I'm not a girl, so I'm cool with that, and I can talk to y'all the way I want. Um, um, but, but no, we're going to do it. We're going to do it fairly and lovingly, of course, the way we're going to do it here. But with you guys, we're going to be talking about manhood in its biblical sense, and the things that you and I grew up with are not for us. They're, and so now. You're going to argue with me because of the culture that you grew up in? You're going to argue with me because of our greater culture that we live in? And how could you even say that there's such a thing as... And then everything I say, everything I say, what well, women can't be that. It's, you're going to be like a... You're gonna be like a schizophrenic wife, and so, and and what I mean by that is that you're gonna be like, uh, you know, you go to a schizophrenic, you go, oh my gosh, you look so beautiful in that dress, and go, what? I don't look beautiful anywhere else, and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm trying to give you a compliment, and you're you're twisting this into something else. So you're gonna you're gonna want to fight me like that. You're gonna everything that I say about a guy, you're gonna go, oh, oh, what? Women can't do that. Oh, what? Women? You're gonna practice this sort of mental judo with me. Right? You're going to want to fight me on everything. All I'm saying is that God has made men uniquely gifted, uniquely bent towards this ideal. Does any man in this room meet that ideal? Or any man within the sound of my voice meet that ideal? Probably not. Do, do we see women having to pick up the slack? Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Men, we've got to get this right. Otherwise, your kids are going to grow up with dads. Who were just like your father. And we could do, we've had enough of that. And and some of you grew up with great dads. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, listen, listen to me. We gotta give our wives better. Like when I look at our black and brown communities, I weep over the destruction that has happened. You, the destruction that has happened in the home because men have not taken their rightful place as humble followers of Christ who are willing to lay down their lives for their wives and their children and instead have made the wife the bearer of that burden. Brothers, they do not have our curse. In in, uh, Genesis, Adam and Eve um, uh, went uh, towards the... uh, uh, went towards the forbidden fruit. They partook of the forbidden fruit, and Eve had a curse befall upon her. And the curse was that she was going to, her, her, her longing was to be manipulative to her husband and control him. And that the men, that, uh, oh, and, and also childbearing uh, pain, that, that was part of the curse. And the men, they had a curse where they had to break their back. That toil and work was going to be hard. That leading was going to be hard. That they were going to have to sacrifice. That if there was anybody who was going to die up in this piece, it was going to be the men. And it was sweat and toil and blood and sacrifice. And that was the role of the men. And what men have done, hermanos, brothers, what we have done as we have taken part of our curse and we have bestowed it upon our wives. And it's it's no good. It's no good. It's no good for our wives. It's no good for us. It's no good for our children. And some of you women right now are living under the weight of that. And I'm sorry. And so... In this service, I hope to talk to you men. One man, broken, frail, broken man, to another. Women, you can listen in. May I recommend that you don't shame your husband as he's listening to this message by giving elbows, by looking like that. It just makes it more difficult to hear the... You know what I'm saying? And I know some of you women are laughing because you were like, yeah, I just already did it four times. I know. Uh, That's why I'm saying it now. Um, So so you get what I'm saying. But we have very, very little time and a really heavy subject to talk about. So before we do, let's talk about all, uh, (laughs) let's talk about genderism. And and we're going to do that in three minutes. So isn't that fun? Um, Okay. So um, first we're going to look at, um, let's look at, uh, what's the first one we have? Feminism? Let's look at feminism. Okay, um, so briefly we'll talk about feminism. Now, I looked up the dictionary definition for all of these things, and you can see it up on the thing, the dictionary definition, the theory that political, economic, and social equality of the sexes. Feminism um, is basically the concept, um, it started out as the concept as uh, women should be um, treated as equals. To which, who disagrees with that? Who disagrees with women should be treated as, uh, uh, should not be treated as equals? No, we all do. But feminism has morphed. Feminism has morphed from being, hey, listen, equal pay, equal um, representation in society, like voting, um, equal opportunity, like you know becoming CEOs of companies. Um, feminism has turned from that into something other than one of the, one of the greatest and, and you know I have feminist friends whom I love and who love me um, and one of the biggest problems that I have with feminism is that um, what it says about your body. Like literally, it's it's good. Women, it's good, they say, and feminists do, that, um, listen, why should you be hindered by societal, societal norms? If you want to sleep with a guy, sleep with a guy. If you want to have an abortion, have an abortion. It's your body. To which... I humbly go, the Bible does not speak along those terms. Your body doesn't belong to you, it belongs to Jesus. And then when you get married, husband, your body belongs to your wife. Wife, your body belongs to your husband. It's not to be done with whatever you want. Let me just say this, and I'm just going to say a brief about abortion, guys. And you know, listen, we got nothing but pedophiles, murderers, addicts, and all that stuff in this room. So the forgiveness of Christ is profound and beautiful. But beloved abortion is murder. It is. That life starts at conception. I'll talk more about that later um, next week. But listen to me. Because it's because a baby is in your body it does not mean that it is your body. Number one. Number two, they just recently passed a bill here in New York. Have you heard about this? I don't even know what to say. We've legalized the murder of children. And you go, yeah, but some kids aren't wanted. And some kids are the product of rape. And some kids, to which I say, every one of those qualify. Not wanted, product of rape, um, uh, 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 won't be well taken care of because the mother is an addict or something like that. Every one of those qualify to my last son, my baby David, was a product. She was an addict. And she came to this church and she said, man, I had to be with some guy for some money so that I could get to um, use. Now I'm pregnant. I don't even know who the guy is. I think I'm going to have an abortion. He said, no, don't do that. We'll find you a family. And the Lord spoke to my heart and said, it should be our family. And so I have a son I have a son who's five years old who has this little vampire, you know, like no teeth over here with the little, with the little things. I'm telling you, it's the greatest joy of my life. Greatest joy of my life. Matter of fact, he's proof that God gives good gifts to undeserving men. I'm telling you. But there's nothing that you could say about aborted babies that you could say about him. And I'm telling you, he's the joy of my life. Feminism is not what we believe as Christians. Next one is chauvinism. Good night. We don't believe this. I don't even have to stand a lot. Of time. This this toxic machismo that you know that over you know that overdoes the, the protective thing and actually goes to abuse and violence and overbearing and control. This kind of toxic machismo that many of us have grew, grown up with should have um, that that sort of that that sort of aggressive man uh, that that culturally aggressive man a thought or perceived manhood. It's not for us. This is not for us. We are not chauvinists. We don't think that men are better than women. Not at all. God made male and female. Made them both. And we're co-heirs to the gospel of Christ. The other, so Christians, many of us, have said, no, 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 we are not feminists. We are not chauvinists. You know what we are. We're egalitarian. That means we're equal. 50-50. Now the problem with that is that, um, you know, it's that sort of anything you can do, I can do better, I can do. No, there's certain things that women can do that I cannot do. Like for instance, let me give you one example. Multitasking. My, listen, my wife can do a hundred things at the same time. I mean, but if she, if she walks into the room And she goes, Edwin, I want to talk to you about a problem. And I'm like, I'm in the kitchen cooking. I go, Hun, this egg is not going to cook itself. Okay? Give me a minute. Let me focus on one thing. Then we can talk about whatever issue. Because I can't do, and and I try to do multiple things at one time and then I screw everything up. It's like a mess. So so there's a hundred things that women are better than men at. A hundred things. And there might be a hundred things that men are better than women at. But the point is, is that we're not equal in the way that we're equal in every respect. So the Christian view then is not feminism. It's not chauvinism. It's and, and there are Christians that believe egalitarianism, and it's better than the, the other two options, so whatever. But um what what we want to do is we want to be closer to the Bible. And so we wanna what we believe is um complement complementarian. We are complementarian. Well, complementarian uh, Complementarians believe we believe the scriptures that women are made delightfully and uniquely by God, and men are made delightfully and uniquely by God, and they are to complement each other. Does this make sense yes. that they are to complement each other? One of the ways that they complement each other is um, uh, that's you know that's that 's really celebrated and wonderful is uh, on the marriage bed that moment where they 're right Men have parts that women don't have. And those parts complement each other. And there, that makes sense. That it's, listen, it's so that when you're with your wife on your honeymoon or any other time you're with your wife, it's eye to eye, heart to heart, body to body. Make sense? And so we're complementary. Now, it's not just sex, but that's an obvious one. So, with that in mind, now we're going to look at what men should look like. Fair? Yeah. All right. Let's do it. So um, we're going to go to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. One verse, lots of stuff to pack in there. I'm going to try to work as quickly as I can, and we'll do the best I can. Now, directly after this service, I have to prepare for a deacon's meeting, or a potential deacon's meeting that we're to have uh, in the other room, so I'm not, this is one of those that I really would like to be here in the back to answer any one of your questions and give you hugs and all that other stuff. I'm not going to be able to, but um, you can feel free to email me at Pastor Edwin at r-h-o-w-b-k dot o-r-g Edwin at r-h-o-w-b-k dot o-r-g Um, oh yeah, and that's my Facebook and my Twitter and my Instagram and so you can, these are all the ways that you can reach me uh, etc. Okay, with that being said, um, we're going to stand at the reading of God's word because we really feel that God's word has more authority than we do, so if you can stand If you're able physically to stand, we ask that you stand. If you can't, I understand. If you won't, we love you anyway. Um, Let's read this all together, nice and loud, okay, on the count of three. One, and we're reading from, this time we're reading from the ESV because it has a few words that I think really are translated well here. Okay, uh, one, two, three. Likewise, husbands, (laughs) live with your wives in an understanding way. Showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. This is God's word. Please have a seat. Okay. So let's look at this text. When it says "likewise," I made some notes to myself, so I'm going to be I'm going to be holding closer to my notes than I usually am because I know that this is like full of landmines. So I'm sticking closer to my notes than usual. Okay. Um, so when he says "likewise," uh, here in this text, what he's indicating is that a new group is being addressed. Just before this, in verses one through six, he's um, t- speaking to wives and he's speaking to um, uh, slaves. Right, So he has a, a particular uh, audience. But and then he changes the audience to husbands. Now, um, he goes to husbands. So he's not saying, hey, husbands, in the same way that I just talked to your wife, that's the same way I want you to act. That's not true. What he's saying is, guys, now, now for you. Now I'm aiming my, and I, and I don't want to say guns because I don't want you to get defensive, but I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm aiming the spirit of God to the heart, to your heart so that we might be men. Men. Matter of fact, I love the verse. I love the verse. Be the man. Be uh, be a man. I love that verse. Be a man. Men, we need to reclaim that. Not in a toxic way. Be a man. Oh man, there's uh, more money needed in the house. Who's going to get the second job? Be a man. Oh man, you know, there's more responsibility. The third kid just came. Your wife is tired. Who's going to stay up all night and then go to work the next day? Be a man. Be a man. That's what we're looking for. Okay, so that's why he's changing his his perspective to men, and he says, "Live with your wives in an understanding way." The way the phrase um, "understanding" is really, literally, like according to knowledge, and what it means is is according um, uh, the knowledge of knowing that God is your father and her father. So now here's the deal. I know if a boy comes to my house, you know, my daughters, meaning if my daughters bring a boy to my house to introduce him to me, I know he's going to be on his best behavior because he's meeting her father. And as he's meeting her father, he's going to look and want to be on his best behavior because he wants the favor of the father. He wants the father to give blessing. This happens, and, and man, this is a, uh, something that we've gone away from as a culture, but men being men and going up to fathers and going, I would like to have your hand in marriage. And then listening to a father, and then being a father, being able to go, well, these are some areas of immaturity that I see in you that I would like for you to address before you, you know, before you take on the responsibility of my wife. Why don't you address these responsibilities so that you might be more of a man for the woman that you're asking for? You see, uh, being a man, if if a boy comes to my house, or you know, some of my uh, one of my daughters is an adult. Actually, two of them this month are adults. Um, if they bring a, a boy to me, he's going to be on his best behavior because he knows that I am seeing him, I am particularly protective of her. Any boy who comes into a house knows that doesn't even have to formulate that in his mind. He knows that intuitively. Wow. And so he acts in a particular way. Men you are to live in an understanding way. Understanding what? Understanding that God is her father. And that he is powerful and watchful. And that he is watching over her so that you might be, so that he might protect and love her well. If you are her husband, then you are to act like that first day in the living room with the father. You're supposed to say yes sir. No sir she says something that embarrasses you in front of others, you go, I'm going to eat that one. I'm not going to react. I'm not going to, I'm, not going to, I'm not going to behave in a way that's aggressive. I'm not going to behave in a way that's intimidating. I'm not going to behave in a way that's going to put the burden on her. I'm going to behave in a way knowing that this father, who is both powerful and watchful, is an I am living in an understanding, according to knowledge way. Does this make sense? Men, we are to live in a way that is understanding. Show honor. We're going to get to, okay, we're going to get to this honor in a second, but I want to get to the, uh, the part of the verse that all, all of you women trip, up, uh, trip over. Okay, yes, Evelyn goes, yes, thank you very much. Uh, yes, preach a little better, Pastor. Come on, you can do it. Okay, so um, let's look at the weaker vessel, okay? Um, so it says, the woman as the weaker vessel, he goes, uh, uh, likewise husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Now pause. How do you read that? Right? When you read that, you go, you see, this is why I don't believe the Bible. You jump to the gun and you say, see, the Bible is always treating women in, in an inferior way. Let me, just, let me just say, as an aside. If you think that of the Bible, you haven't done deep research on both um, history of nations and your Bible. Let me tell you why. Number one, everywhere in the scripture you see God saying scandalous things about elevating women. Scandalous things. In fact, in this very verse, the the Bible tells men that they're co-heirs, that they're not lesser um, uh, followers of Christ. They're co-heirs. Which would have been a scandal. They no, no, no. I'm really the Christian. She's just coming to Christ because I'm here with her and she's blessed because of I me. Mean, no, no, no. It's a scandal. And so it, we go, oh, what, what, you know, the Bible is, is treating women inferior. So what is the Bible saying when it's saying that women are weaker vessels? And I think the Bible's right on this. Don't beat me up just yet. Just hold on for one second. Is the Bible saying, let me tell you what it's not saying before I give you Is the Bible saying that the women are emotionally weaker than men? Oh, good night, no. Oh my goodness. All you have to do is see some of the stress that women are under. As men have have literally abandoned, derelicted their position in the home. All you have to do is see that, is to find out how strong women are. Oh my goodness. Not, Not emotionally. The Bible's not saying that they're not emotionally. Is the Bible saying that they're not morally? Is the Bible saying that they're morally weaker than men? No. Good night. In this, you know, in our church, it's pretty interesting. In our church, we actually have more men than women, um, which is an interesting dynamic because in most churches, there's far more women than men. Like, you know, it's it's not even a comparison. It's like 80 eighty twenty. Um, the point that I'm trying to say is that morally, we we have many 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 women who are pursuing Christ much more so than men, and so morally. We don't find that. And that's not been my experience either. Okay. Thirdly, is it spiritually? No. We know of many. We just had a woman lead us in worship who is full of the Spirit, loves Jesus, and humbles me in many ways. This church has been formed in large part because of a woman who has um, counseled me, my wife, who has counseled and directed and encouraged this? This church has been spiritually led by women. Who, there's a woman who runs um, uh, our class system, uh, and that that helps to disciple uh, both men. and It's just amazing. Women aren't spiritually inferior. What is it saying? It's saying probably that in general, women are physically weaker than men. Okay, now. If you don't believe this, guys, if you don't believe this, like you know, you fall in the feminist category, if you don't believe this, women, if you don't believe this, what I want you to do is I want you to go home and I want you to wrestle your husbands. And if you win, he's a punk. I'm just saying. I know that was so toxic and so bad. That was super bad, I know. Okay, here's what it's saying. Here's what it's saying. Okay, physically, but here's what this means. I know that was super bad, and I'm just trying to be funny, so don't take me seriously. I'm just trying to be funny. But, but, but in, mostly speaking, if we, if we get into the bio, biology of this, men have, in terms of muscular density, much more. We have this thing called testosterone. Um, we have uh, our, our frame is wider. Like, you know, generally speaking. Now, with that said, can Ronda Rousey kick my butt? Yeah, you bet. You bet, no question. I'm not saying that, there's, that, that this is all across the board 100%. I'm just saying Ronda Rousey is married to uh, a fellow MMA uh, fighter. I'm telling you, if you ever saw that guy, he wins. You know, he wins. What's the point? What's the point? The point is, is that because we know that, uh, because that's true, that there's a weaker sense in this, we put ourselves in harm's way before we put... In other words, there's a a rustling that you hear at night. You wake up. Men, you do not lean over to your wife and go, you should check that out. Because we we fall under the, the assumption that the Bible falls under, that if there's anybody who's going to lay down their lives and die, if there's anybody who's going to sacrifice their lives, if there's anybody who's going to fight, if there's anybody who's going to get a bloody nose, if there's anybody... Now, I remember years ago, this was, this was like, I, I knew this to be true, but I didn't understand it to be true from the scripture. And my wife was super immature. Let me put my wife on blast for a second, and this is going to be funny. Let's see how this goes when I get home, okay? Um... <laughs> So this is years ago. We're talking like 25 years ago. 25 years ago, my wife was very, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Have you ever been with a friend who like somebody cuts in line and then they start talking a little bit loud about the person who cut in line in front of you? And they go, what, they think they can just cut in line in front of you? And and like that. Now here's the problem. My wife is like five foot tall and evidently she only got offended by men who were six foot five. <laughs> so stuff like that would happen. I go, I can't believe this lady's gonna kill me. <laughs> I'm gonna have to fight this dude. But there was never a point in that thought process where I said, Alright, do your best. <laughs> there was never, never, you know, all right, that's a big mouth you got. <laughs> All right, you know, no, duck, duck. <laughs> you know, there's a, all right, so when it talks, when it talks about the weaker the, the vessel, what it, what, it, what it means, I think, what it means is, I think, physically. And that means that we're supposed to be protectors. There's, and, and because there's, so there's another way I want to put this. And it goes into honor. So there's two ways that men, we can look. In terms of the scriptures that we're reading, and I'm, I'm going to be quick because I know we got to finish. Um, there's two ways that we look at our wives, right? One is like a bucket. Men, we are buckets. We are buckets. You can kick us around. You pour dirty water on it. It doesn't matter. We get all the grunt work. We go. Men, if we get treated like that, if we get treated roughly, if we get treated... The, that's okay because that's part of the curse and that's part of what we uphold women however are not like buckets they're like vases now can a bucket hold water mhm can a vase hold water mhm can a bucket hold dirty water mhm should a vase hold dirty water mhm right because the vase is precious the vase is beautiful and so men if there's going to anybody who's going to get a second job Who's it going to be? Anybody? Just say me. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. If, if, if you hear something in the middle of the night, and who, who goes and checks that out? Just say me. me. Yeah, that's right. Nah, come on, say like you mean it. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, listen. If, if, if there's going to be any amount of sacrifice within the context of that relationship, who's going to be the chief sacrifice? Anybody? Me. If anybody's going to think about who to, how to provide more, who's it going to be, the wife or the man? men, right, men, it's us we treat our wives and listen, listen and, and, and women, listen to me I promise you if you're saying in your heart, no women could be bucket people, and, and, I, and I don't doubt it, I see it all the time women who take all the responsibility and all that stuff I'm telling you, if you believe that theoretically, my prayer is that you never marry that guy who treats you that way Amen. my prayer is that you just don't marry that guy that treats you like that Just come on Come on, listen. I'm going to work, you go to work. Come on, come on, listen. It's, there's trouble downstairs. Here, grab the back. Let's go. No, man, I, my prayer is that you don't get that guy. My prayer. And if you have that guy, and if you are that guy, I repent. You should be repenting. You should be weeping before the Lord, asking Jesus not to put this further burden. Okay, so let's go back to, that was the thing that was, all right, so you get it, right? It's, it's a physical thing. Again, a hundred things men are better um, than women at. A hundred things women are better than men at. We'll talk about more of that next week with the women. And now the, One of the things, generally speaking, not in every case, generally speaking, men are stronger physically than women. And so it says, I want you to honor her as one who's going to protect her. And, and, and we'll get into that. So then, how do I honor her? Here's how we honor our wives. Men, I want you to write this down. And we're going to do this real fast because we've got no time. Um, Men, I want you to honor your wife maritally. Maritally. Okay? Within the context of marriage. Listen. There are some of you here. I just. You break my heart. You break God's heart. There are some of you here who are looking for victims. You look to uh, unwed mothers because they're an easy prey. They're desperate. And you take advantage of them sleeping with them. You take advantage of them uh, being with them and then finding someone else because they can't follow you around, they can't be with you. they got to take care of the kid so they can't keep close tabs on you. You're just an abuser and you're demon-possessed and you need to repent. We need to honor women maritally. We're not the, we are not the, The oh, oh, listen, I'm going to jump from bed to bed to bed guy. We are not, if you don't put out, I'm getting out. We are not that guy. We are not the pressure on the woman to have sex. No, no, no. We honor her maritally. You want the benefits of marriage? Then marry. How else are you to honor? Remember, it says here, in an understanding way, showing Honor. How else? We're to honor our wives. Say it with me, men. Men, I want you to say this nice and loud. First one. We're to honor our wives
1: maritally.
0: Next one. We're to honor our wives physically. Okay. Men, listen to me. Listen. Do you intimidate your wife? I'm telling you, listen to me. I've done this. Physically. Physically. Where there's certain looks, there's certain dispositions, there's certain aggressive uh, 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 positions you can get into that let your wife know, hey man, harm can happen. I did this so much to this day. To this day, when me and my wife are hiring an argument, I make a conscious decision to sit lower than her and put my hands in my pockets. Because I want to communicate to her that this is not what we used to be. This is not the way... We're going to fight now, and that's fine. What I mean by it is we're going to have disagreements, and and, and that's fine, but I'm not going to lay a hand on you. You want to honor your wife maritally. You want to honor your wife physically. Men, let's say this together. Honor your wife emotionally. Say that together. One, two, three.
1: Honor your wife
0: emotionally. Men, we have different, we have emotions. She has emotions. Our emotions get expressed differently. I get it. But you still got to be there emotionally. Okay? I understand. Like sometimes the way my wife can react can sometimes feel even overwhelming to me. The emotions that she's experiencing. And I need to be able, again, we're talking about the bucket, right? So men, we need to be able to, okay, okay, okay. Give me a second. Give me a second. Like even when my wife wants to engage me on conversations, um, uh, my wife wanted to engage me. We were doing some, Uh, Construction work in the house, and I was physically exhausted. Like, I mean, I'm working a, I'm working like four full-time jobs. Not full-time. I'm working one full-time job and three other part-time jobs to put food on the table. I'm doing that because I'm the man. I'm supposed to sacrifice. I'm supposed to do that. My wife is. She's. She wants to stay home and raise our kids, and that's her desire. And my desire is to give her that gift. That's our family. Your family might be different. Your wife might know. I want to work. I want to. Great do it, but I want you to do it. No, MSNBC um, did a report a few years ago that did the money about how much women are contributing to the home, and when you include childcare, when you include eating out, when you include transportation, when you include the second car or the, or, the, um, or the train fare, when you include that, she contributes almost nothing. Almost nothing. Do the math. Don't, don't, don't trust me. Just include child care. Include uh, eating out. Include the snacks that you have to get because you're not with the. Just include it all. And see how much you're really making. Uh, you're going, oh, this is so antiquated. This is so silly. You're just being like from the 50s. Listen, I'm not... I'm, it's worse than that. It's like not 50 years ago. It's not 70 years ago. It's like 2,000 years ago. I'm trying to take you 2,000 years ago. And listen, beloved. Men, men. We're to honor our wives emotionally. So I was in this case where I was trying to fix up the house and work all these jobs and my wife wanted to have an emotional conversation and at that point I just said I don't think I can. I don't think I can. I want to. It's my heart. Can we pick a day other than right now to have this conversation because I want to address what you're saying but I'm telling you I know me and and I don't have the emotion. You're going to say things that I don't have the, the emotional octane to be able to respond in a loving, Christ-centered way. You see? And so she was beautiful. She was, And we'll talk about wives, and I'll use her more as an illustration in that case. But she was like, oh, man, that's great. All right, cool. Let's talk about it later. And we did. And it was wonderful. But you're supposed to... Men, men, it's not just about being the guy who provides the food and then comes home, plops on the couch, you know, who's playing what, it's not being that guy. You know, I work a long day, you know, just, no, 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 emotionally. That's what men are. We, we are there emotionally. We honor our wife emotionally. Okay, next one is verbally. Say this with me, guys. Honor your wife verbally. With the words that you use towards your wife. Would you, you, you should punch yourself in the face if you called your wife a bee. You should punch yourself, like, do not use the words, the gift of language that God has given you to curse your wife. Men, they're the God's daughters. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't, don't, don't make a joke about your wife that's going to make her insecure. Stop! It's not for her. Keep it to yourself. Use beautiful words. Use loving words. Use your wife to honor. Financially, honor your wife financially. Say that with me, men. Honor your wife financially, guys. Provide for her. Listen, we're in a day, and I'm just going to take this head on. I don't care. We're in a day where it's role reversal. And what we say is, you know what? I'm just going to be the stay-at-home dad. I'm going to be the stay home What you're saying to your wife is, I want you not only to take upon your burden, I want you to take upon my burden. Not only your curse, I want you to take upon my curse. And I want you to... Take... Listen, I know we have exceptions to the rule. I know, for instance, uh, you know, a guy could be in an accident. And he can't work. And what is he going to do? Wife has to go out and work. I get that. But men... This is not the norm. You're burdening. I've counseled so many women who have argued with me, saying, no, I like working. I like being outside. And I'm cool, cool. No problem. No, I make more money than him. And and he doesn't, you know, make enough money. So it makes more sense for me to go. But here's what I get. Five years later, if they stick around, here's what I get. It's this picture. Have you ever seen, like, uh, uh, the Fortune 500 where, you know, they're driving those cars, it's exhausting driving, it's hot in there, it's not like there's air conditioning in there, and they have to grab that wheel and keep it, it's not like, um, what is it, automatic steering, power steering, it's not like it's power steering, it's like, you know, this, and so they're doing that for like 500 miles. Right, And the husband is sitting in the driver's seat. And then you know what happens five years later? The wife is exhausted because she can't be superwoman. She can't can't make the bread and uh, peanut butter and jelly, the the other bread, at the same time, all the time, she gets exhausted. She's drained. She feels like there's no support. And so at one point, she pulls into a driver's pit, and she goes, okay, we're going to change this. You, I want you in the driver's seat. And now the man who hasn't led for the last 10 years, he's been babied by his mother, he's been babied by his wife, now she goes, so what happens? He goes out and says, like, go, 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 go. And he's like driving badly. And then another car nearly comes by and they both die. And he goes, that's it, that's it. Get out, I'm going to drive again. And she drives that thing until she dies. Emotionally. Nervous breakdown. Some of you men think you're doing something. No, listen. I made my family suffer. Listen, I'm the biggest sinner in this room. I tell you this all the time. I made my family suffer because of the call that I have for Christ. And so we were homeless once for two years. That wasn't wise. I shouldn't have made them suffer. I should have suffered better. We were, suffer- we were homeless again for eight months. I should have done a better job at getting another job. Beloved, you sending your wife to work... This is what's going to happen. You, and I've told this. I don't know how many men I've told this to. I go, here's what's going to happen. And then you, you women, you feel like, and you're fighting with me. Men are fighting with me right now. Women are fighting with me right now. It's fine. But listen to this. You deny your maternal instincts. You deny them and you suppress them. And then you go, no, no, no. I am an evolved woman. I am a modern woman. And then... And then you recognize that, oh my gosh, look, the baby's walking and you're the 45th person on Facebook to like that. They took their first steps. Oh, oh God. What am I doing here? Men. Men. Be a man. Provide. Financially. Let your wife go to work because she wants to. Honor your wife parentally. Say this with me, men. Honor your wife parentally. (sighs) Guys, don't abandon the kids. I, I did this with my oldest son. I was so busy with work. I was so busy doing ministry. I let my wife raise my son. It's one of the greatest heartbreaks of my life. I have, an, I have a younger son now, and I'm, I'm a little bit better. I don't know how much better. Maybe my wife could answer that. But I'm a little bit better with him. And when that kid says, let's play, I want to play. The other day, he said, and it was kind of convicting. He goes, let's play. And I was like, I was tired. And I was like, oh, man, I'm a little tired. Well, let's, let's chill on the playing right now. And he goes, but you didn't play with me at all today. I go, yeah, we did. He goes, When? I know we played today. And then I, I threw out some, some ridiculous thing. Oh, you know when I tickled you, you know, remember? I was like <laughs> You're calling that play? <laughs> that twenty three seconds? Yeah? Yeah? If he could, he would have said, be a man. <laughs> Men, you never you endear yourself to your wife when you start caring for the children. I know, I know. Some of you work hard with your hands, and that's a good thing. Work with your hands, with your children. Not just providing for them. Not just verbally. Be a man. Finally, honor your wife spiritually. Say this together. Honor your wife spiritually. Just the men. Honor your wife spiritually. Listen, men. Honor your wife spiritually. Now, you're going, but I'm not not married. I know, I'm trying to give you a blueprint. And women, if you find a guy who's not like this, run for the hills. Don't you don't you fix broken bird's wings. If mama couldn't do it in 20 years, you ain't going to be able to do it in the next 20. Believe me. Honor your wife spiritually. What does that look like? Okay, we got to go. When, when we honor our wives spiritually, it looks like this. We are the person who brings... A, we lead... Our, Are you leading your wife in um, devotions? What about the kids? Are you praying with the kids? When I hear my son, when I hear my daughters pray, I hear echoes of my own voice. It inspires me to be a better prayer -er. And again, going back, I've literally prayed with my five-year-old son. I've done more devotionals with my five-year-old son this month than I did with my 26-year-old son his whole life. I'm telling you. I know what it's like to fail as a man. Now, we lead spiritually. You are not the guy that your wife has to beat up. in order. Come on, come on, come on. We're going to be late to go to church. Come on. And you guys are just dragging your feet. Come on, man. Encourage her. Love her well. Go, baby, I'm going to get uh, junior ready. You just, get, you just, listen, make yourself as pretty as you like. I'm going to get junior ready. I'll make the PB&J as we go out the door. And we'll get out there. Come on. Let's, let's get there. Or if she takes a long time, you go, you know what? I'm, wait patiently. Honey, come on. I really want us to seek Jesus together. When in, at night, you go, but I don't know how to do a devotional. Listen. Start with Psalm 1, and then work your way through. You'll have 150 days worth of scripture reading. And just read Psalm one and go, "Baby, I don't know what this means. You know what this means? No, I don't know what this means. I, I, I should probably find out that." And, and let it edify your study. In prayer, you go, "But I don't know how to pray. Listen, I, I, I don't know what to say. Then pray badly. Out loud, <laughs> but teach your children, teach your wives how to pray. Okay, in the end, I want to put this all right. Let me just say this there are some young guys here, and for you young guys, I love you with man, I love you deeply, deeply. And there's some things that you picked up, and I want you to turn from them, I want you to repent. And I want you to run to Jesus. I want you to ask Jesus to make you more like Him. There are some older guys here who you've blown it. You've totally blown it. You're like me. you got more regret behind you. And I want you guys to just go run to Christ and find in Christ the man's man. You know what men do? Let me tell you what men do. Men protect, provide, They praise and they suffer. That's what men do. In short, men protect. Men are the protectors, the providers, the praisers, and the sufferers. That's what men are. Listen to me. That's, we can't do that on our own. Who did this perfectly? Oh my. Right? Who protected our souls from hell? And by the way, men, listen to this. Jesus walked into a mess that was not his own and took responsibility for something he did not do for the sake of honoring his bride. Should you do any less? We are protectors. If anybody's going to die on the block, if anybody's going to get stabbed, it's going to be us. We are the protectors. We're protectors. We're providers. If our wives want to work, it's because they want to work. Not because they have to or because we're forcing them. We're the praisers. We are the worshipers of Jesus. And we lead our wives. And if our wives don't worship with us, we weep at their feet saying, this is not right. We need to worship God together. And we're sufferers. Whoever's going to suffer most. Who did this? Jesus. And so we look to Jesus as our example, but not only our example, but the one who did it for us. Anytime you look at your wife and you go, but I didn't start that problem. I didn't run up that credit card bill. I didn't do that. If you ever said, just wait, 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 wait. You mean my sin debt, the one that I ran up. What did you do with my sin debt? Oh, you paid for it but she's putting herself in harm's way. I'm not going to protect her. Wait, Jesus, what did you do when I put myself in harm's way with crack and heroin or with just pride and selfishness and and gossiping and slander? What did you do? You put yourself in harm's way, not at the risk of your life, but at the cost of your life. Talk about praiser. Beloved. So the big idea, men, today... Be a man. Let's pray. Father, I know, I just... I know with the, the frailty, my own frailties and my weaknesses, how full of sin I am. I, I also know how I can make jokes that could distract people from You. Lord, would you give among the men here holy tears? She you would help us to weep over our own folly, our own stupidity, our own trying to relieve and wiggle ourselves out of our own burden and curse and putting it on our wives. Dear God, have mercy on me. Have mercy on us. Make it so that we walk seeking and savoring Christ, finding that Christ is our all in all. Amen. Now listen, men. If you're here and throughout this sermon, by the way, at the end of the verse, it says, it says, so that God will answer your prayers. You know, could you imagine? Could you imagine marrying my daughter, treating her like crap, and then asking me for a loan? Could you imagine that? What would you get from me? At least you would get an unanswered prayer. Men, God's not going to help you harm his daughters. So, there's a few men in here. And if God has convicted you about not being a man, about running away from your responsibilities, about putting a burden on your wife, or sleeping around like a fool hurting other women, I'm going to give you an opportunity to repent like a man. In a few seconds, I'm going to ask you to come up front and pray and ask God for forgiveness. You go, but I'm embarrassed. I know, listen, this is not, this is not boy time. This is not, this is not little kid time. This is about men who will stand up and say, I have sinned before the Lord. And I desperately need Jesus to transform my heart to be a man.